This is the Professional Stepdad Podcast, where we share stories, strategies, and ideas from men just like you to answer one question and one question only. How can I be a better stepdad? Okay, and we're live. All right. Logan Pierce, what's up, buddy? How's it going, man? Good, man. Glad to be here. Um, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it, man. So uh, I want to jump into this, man, because I, like I was saying before we started recording, you answered these questions in so much detail that I feel it would be just for the show itself, it's just going to be real beneficial for you to just, I want to just hear your journey. So let's start from the beginning. Let's start 2018. You see her from across the way or how, how you met her. Just take us through that process. So... 2018, I was uh, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life professionally. I was working, um, doing some private baseball lessons. I grew up in a baseball family. It was what I love to do is coach and teach. Um, and I, I don't know where, where it came across, but her, her profile on social media came across just, just on, a, on a whim, honestly, randomly. And I was like, oh, this girl's beautiful. Like, just go give her a follow. She followed me back, you know, no problem. Didn't go anywhere, didn't do anything. She posted something that wanted a response, you know, like a funny joke or something. I guess she was just wanting to see what people would come up with. And I came up with something uh, and then she responded back. And then we just kind of messaged a little bit, but it didn't really go anywhere. And um, so there was about a three or four month window where we didn't talk. And then uh, I posted a sort of a personal vulnerable video after not talking to her for several months. And she responded, said it touched her heart, said it, um, you know, just was a great video, vulnerability, everything, just, just very complimentary of it. So then we just began talking yeah. and um, one thing led to another. And we went on a date uh, April 9th of 2018, um, which is great. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hey, man, yeah, I, I, I try to keep the dates in my head. Just never want to get thrown off on that. But um, so uh, we had a great time. Um, we I ended up um, uh, spending a lot of time with her after that. Uh, at the time, her and her son or her and her son's dad were splitting time. Um, and he was uh, he was essentially spending the most time with uh, the grandparents on that side. So she had him, you know, a couple of days a week and every other weekend. So on the days that she didn't have him, we were basically spending all of that time together. Um, and the relationship grew. I, I was, I was um, selfishly in a spot to where the place that I lived, I had a lot of friends. I was getting to know a lot of people. I was going out a lot. Um, and I wasn't, you know, going out to clubs and partying. I just liked enjoying and going and drinking some beers with some guys and just hanging out. You know, it wasn't anything crazier than that. But um, but where I give her a lot of credit is sticking with me through that journey, through the kind of unknown and through the, um, uh, the, the, the selfishness that I was portraying, not committing to her fully. Um, she was having to put in a lot of the effort at first, just because I was, I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know if I wanted to be involved with her situation. I didn't know if I was ready to be involved, not just wanting to, but I, I was ready to mature maturity wise. Well, um, were you being influenced by outside circumstances or people like friends, family in that specific uh, time frame? Yeah. So uh, to give you some ideas on my family, uh, my parents have been married almost 40 years. 
Yeah. Um, my dad's dad uh, left them, I believe, when he was young. So he did have a stepdad. So he was a part of a blended family. However, I don't, I haven't really talked to him about that. And I, I've been meaning to because I, I, he's got really in my direct family, immediate family, the only sort of idea of what it's like to be involved in a blended family from a child's perspective. Um, and so uh, my, my brother and his wife have been married for 10 years. My sister and her husband have been married for eight years. Uh, no blended fam. So their influence has always been as the baby of the family. Hey, are you thinking this all the way through? Right, you right. have all your ducks in a row because this is a big responsibility. Kids are a big responsibility. They were having kids of their own. They, they understood the, um, the, just everything to go on with that. And they didn't think I was ready. Um, and I just, you know, I, I took it and as, as I am ready, I think I'm ready. I want to be ready. Uh, but they were also being very uh, family, looking out for their brother and their son, too. You know, they just wanted the best for me. Yeah. And um, my, my current wife's situation just scared them a little bit because there were some unknown. Uh, there were some issues. There were some internal, external issues um with uh with the bio dad and there was just things going on a lot going on in both of our lives yeah. uh that was just like hey just make sure that you're you're thinking it all the way through so in august of that same year my wife uh became a little bit i don't want to say stubborn but just mama bear like yeah, yeah. she had things going on where um she was kind of fighting for custody I was kind of still giving her the runaround a little bit. And she said, all right, look, if, if you're not all in, I'm not all in. So you, you're going to basically suffer for a month is what happened. I suffered for a month because she was like, I'm not answering my calls or texts. And when she would want to call me, she, it was just like a, it was an ordeal, you know, maybe sort of zone in and realize, okay, I think I really want to be with this woman because she is so special and so amazing in so many ways. Um, so I just, made the decision. I made the decision that this is what I want to do. Uh, this is what I need to do in order to execute it. I need to go spend a lot of time with them. I need to learn their routines. I need to learn their languages. I need to yeah. learn their emotions and demeanors because, you know, going over and spending a day with them isn't enough. So I would uh, get done with my personal work stuff, of, you know, Thursday night, uh, and go spend the weekend with them Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and sometimes leave Monday morning. Just my schedule allowed me to do that. Did you live a distance um, away or did you live close? Yeah. Yeah. So I was living probably an hour and a half away at the oh, time. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, so it was a pretty good little drive, you know, every weekend. Um, and so at that time, it was, you know, to me, I'd made the decision. I didn't want to spend my weekends partying, going to the beach and, doing my normal thing I wanted to spend weekends with them so at that time her son was playing football so it was you know football games on Saturday mornings it was you know getting up early and getting him ready and going and uh spending time together in the afternoons and going and doing stuff um and this was so all that marriage right this is I mean this is your this is kind of like your uh you're jumping into it just full full feet full in both feet all yeah. in okay. all in I'm all into it I'm um, you know, I'm everything but moved into their house. You know, I got a bag packed every weekend. You know, I've like bought stuff for the house to keep there, but I'm every I'm all but moved in just because uh that's that was their kind of 
you know, it was time for me to move in that quickly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we talked and made the decision um, that we wanted to get married uh, within a year of that time. So however we can make it work, uh, we want, we were just talking, I, I think this is the right thing for us. We wanted to do that. So we got engaged in January of 2019. Yeah. Um, and then we moved in together over in Pensacola uh, in February uh, of that, you know, so soon after, about two or three weeks after we got engaged. Yeah. Uh, and that's where the real reality set in. You know, it's, it's different when you're spending four days apart and three days together, vice versa. It's different uh, when you're there every day, work schedule routines, uh, practice schedule routines. I'm working, she's working. Uh, we have, you know, help from other people. Uh, after school, he goes and stays with his grandmother or, or grandparents sometimes and because uh, she works at the school that he goes to. So that's like a drive out of the way. So then it's just, it's tricky. Things get tricky with routines and schedules when everything's not, when everything's not perfectly lined up, you know. Um, so let's, let's, let's back having, up for a second. Let's back up for two seconds. Okay. So, January, you get engaged. You decide to get married a year after that. Um, you're going back and forth with your struggles on your um, selfishness as an individual being single and being with friends, not promiscuously and going out and doing dumb stuff, but at the same point being social, having a few beers. Basically, the responsibilities are not as they are now. So take me through the process of, okay, so she's having problems with biodad, right? Mm -hmm. Here, mm -hmm. in steps you. The problems that she was having with the biodad Tell me how that affected you in the beginning specifically, because a lot of men in our situation never make it past the entry part, right? That, that whole, like, I call it like the, the three or four week introduction to a family because they get so much negativity, whether if it's from outside circumstance or specifically from bio dad to try to kind of push them away, right? Um, mm -hmm. because, you know, God forbid they, they want to see bio mom happy. So Take me through that process. Like, how did you mentally work your way around that? So I guess the best way to describe it is the bio dad was in a uh, personal, I don't want to give too much information, but he was in a personal uh, uh, struggle with, uh, so I guess is the best way to describe it. Uh, he was in a personal struggle with that. So he wasn't around. You know, he would come around randomly. I mean, and I mean randomly, call randomly. Um, and it was just one of those situations where I was probably a little naive thinking that he would just be always in that situation. <laughs> he would never get out of it. I mean, that's just what I was thinking. I was like, okay, well, if he's not around, he'll probably never be around because he's chosen to do these things. Uh, he's chosen this over his family and he's lost his family because of that. Um, and, you know, he's the type of guy that has been given everything his entire life. He's never had to work for anything. Um, he's a, you know, former baseball player. I'm a former baseball player. Mm -hmm. And he actually went to my rival college's school. So it's like everything is just like rival. You know, everything is just hard because I'm a baseball guy. So coaching his son, you know, he, he has a huge problem with that because nobody coaches his son but him, right? Like, that's just how it's always been. Um, so 
I guess that decision was easy to make at the time because he was never around. Had he been around, had he been enforcing certain things on me or them in front of me, uh, on, you know, whatever it was, I only got a glimpse of what he was capable of, I guess is the best way to say it. Things he would say, manipulation things, things that would go on. I was only, I was only around for so much. Um, so, you know, my situation was a little different in that aspect because I didn't have to deal with it directly as I was coming into the picture. So making that decision was pretty easy. And now the table has turned to where apparently, you know, he's sober and he wants to be more involved and she's trying to make decisions on all of that. So, um, and that same year, uh, she got full custody of her son in Florida, which is like unheard of. Nobody gets full custody of their kids. Mother, father, doesn't matter of a kid in Florida. It's just somehow it's impossible. Um, so she has full custody of him. And it's been really, really hard uh, because every kid does need their dad. You know, that's one thing as a stepdad that uh, we have a hard time getting over because we want them. We not only wish we were the dad, in a lot of ways. I know I do. I wish he was my kid. Um, but at the same time, he's not. Reality is he does need his dad. Um, but you do have a, we, us men, I believe, have a protective gene in our bodies where we want to be a little bit more, I guess, pessimistic instead of optimistic. Yeah. Meaning I was never optimistic about the dad's help. I wish he would be off be in this kid's life. Instead, I was like, I really don't because I, I want to be the only person in this kid's life. I'm what this kid needs. And that's not the best way to go about it. You know, it's like bringing um, a basketball to the, to the court and then you, you lose and you just take your ball and leave. Like you don't want anybody else to play with that ball. Yeah. I get you. Right. Right. Healthy. Did he, did he, did he quit? Did he overcome his addiction? So, uh, to my knowledge, he was sort of forced to. Um, he had a he where he spent some time uh, um, put away, and he had he was sort of forced to you know go through that process. Um, but you know, I try to not keep up with anything to do with him as much as I can, just because it's such a weird feeling to have. Uh, when you have an internal, I guess, disdain towards someone, it's hard to, it's hard to want to, it's hard to want them to succeed. You know, it's hard to want them to, to be around, even though you know they need to be around. So, uh, I, as far as I know, he's overcome that part of his life. Uh, still, probably a demon uh, for him, but. Um, you know, as far as my wife says, when she takes him on visits, that he seems to be, you know, himself again is what she says. So, why do you have a why um, do you, why do you specifically have an internal disdain towards him? So, I know too much. I know too much about what he's done to her and what he's done to his son. Mm -hmm. And it's. It's one of those things where I just could never see myself putting people through that. I just, you know, I have my my ways of dealing with things um, that I don't like sometimes, but 
the things that I've heard him say, the things that I've heard him do, um, just to a, to his family, you know, it's just, it's just things that I would never agree with morally. Yeah. It's things that I would never wish or wish upon anyone. Um, it is things that can cause all sorts of trauma uh, for your, uh, for a woman and for a, a child um, that they'll never forget. And it's one of those things where I have a hard time, I have a hard time forgiving and forgetting. I'll give you one example. This is my first uh, interaction with him, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, our, my wife's son was in basketball season. Uh, I was helping another dad that I've become pretty close with, and uh, it's, it's our son's best friend, uh, best friend's dad that he was coaching the team. I was there just kind of helping, just, you know, if you need an extra body to run a drill or whatever. Yeah. So the, the dad shows up. And during the practice, he's talking to my wife pretty much the entire time. And I'm getting a little bit blood boiling because I'm like, what, are they, what could they be talking about right now? Well, anyways, he was, he was talking to her in a way that he shouldn't have, but I didn't know that um, until afterwards. So he's, he's uh, walking out with her son. We all rode together, me, her, and, and our son. And he's going to go, like, you know, help him get in the car. And uh, so he closes the door. I'm on the passenger side. And I reach my hand out to shake his hand because he's been around me before, but he's never been that close in that situation. Yeah. I reach my hand out, trying to be cordial, trying to be polite. I said, hey, man, I'm Logan, by the way. And he looked at my hand and said, I know who you are. And started walking away. And so I said, so what does that mean? what do you mean? Like, that's it. That's, that's all you got. And he was like, uh, you know, he's just, just chirping as he's walking away. And I'm like, well, I mean, you know, if that's how you're going to be, that's not real mature in front of your son, you know, like that's trying to be mature here, you know? Um, and so he just, you know, walked away chirping and that was it. So, you know, there's been another, there's been another interaction since then one more, but I just have nothing for the guy, you know, I just have nothing for him. I have, I have tried, uh, I have, um, put forth some effort and if that's the best you got for a guy that's trying to, uh, do what's best for your family, then, you know, I got nothing for him. I had a question. question. Do you feel that your competitive spirit is a benefit or negative in your life? Because you're a sports athlete, you're an athlete, yeah? You teach athletes, yeah. right? You feel like the way you're handling the situation is more to do with your pride and your competitive spirit than it does for the internal and external health of the overall picture in your journey? Uh, I think so. I think so, I do. Um, I think it's. I think it is negative in some ways, um, especially the pride part. I, I would say... I would say my competitiveness would take over um, in a competition, which I'm not trying to compete and be uh, my wife's son's dad. I'm not trying to replace his dad. Um, I feel like I'm not. If I was trying to replace him, I think I would manipulate the situation a lot more because in in competition, we have a tendency to, we got to win at all costs, right? If we're overly competitive, we have to do whatever we have to do to win. I don't look at it that way. I look at it as 
Uh, I do have pride. I do have uh, morals and values. And if I'm feeling like a person is going to impact my morals and values as a man differently in a negative way, then I'm going to pull back and I'm not going to give fuel to that fire unless I absolutely have to. Um, if that makes sense. I'm not trying to. No, it, does. Um, it does. Look, most competitive athletes, um, so there are two types of competitive athletes. Um, there are the ones that openly and, ex- and, and they express their, like their bravado is like peacocked out, right? It's totally out. You can see it. It's un, it's, you can't mistake it for anything else. Um, me, my sport is basketball. Somebody that would be living in that world would be somebody like Patrick Beverly or like Westbrook, right? These are the guys that are like peacocked out. And then there are guys that are like Michael Jordan, who damn near make shit up in their mind just to compete to win, <laughs> yeah. right? And they, I mean, sometimes yeah. it might be like one little thing that they blow up in their mind to make one other thing. And that's how they win. They don't talk, they don't do things, but their emotions and their expressions and their actions speak towards the, the competition itself, right? So when, sure. I, when I asked you about your competitive spirit, um, in no way do I feel like you're trying to replace your son or your, your, the son's dad. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but what if I were to tell you that how you non-verbally handle the way you express your disdain or your opinions about BioDad, either to his to to your wife or to or around the kid, is is actually just feeding into that competition, unknowingly. Okay. So what I mean by that is this: is that I know you're you probably you probably are you 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 probably don't openly talk shit about BioDad in front of your son because you're smarter than that. Right. But using our words. And, our, and using our, our actions, our nonverbal expression, um, children pick up more on that than they ever will on words. I mean, my wife told me the other day that it takes seven good deeds to erase one bad thing that a parent does for a, in a child's mind. Seven, that means they take wow. seven things out of the ordinary in order for them to get, for them to forget the fact that I yelled at you for leaving the fridge open. I mean, it's right. crazy how a kid's mind works. But what I, mm-hmm. what I do know is that our nonverbal expression and how we talk and how we, we handle ourselves when we're just, even if we're inadvertently speaking about that one subject, right, which for you would be biodad, even if we're inadvertently speaking about it and the way we speak about it in our voice inflection and tone, children will pick up on that each time and every time, right? Mm-hmm. So you may not think that you are competing with BioDad in a way that you and I see competition, right? But like I said, mm-hmm. there's two types of competitors. There's the Pat Bebs and then there's the Michael Jordans. And um, I think that it is important for you to understand something. And this is going to just be like my advice in your situation that I know a little bit about and a little bit about your situation. Okay. Short of this guy being a murderer, right? Because I mean, I think that's where you draw the line if somebody's actually killed, killing people. Short of this guy being a murderer, um, no matter what you do, Logan, you can't blame Biodad for his faults. 
because he is a product of the way he was raised, his environment, his circle of influence. And if we continue to label people the way, we, the way that we, you and I see them, then they can never get back to who they could be, right? I guarantee you the bio dad didn't want this and now he's gonna fight for it. And it leaves you in the middle. You have to have a little, if he's clean, you have to have a little insecurity that your wife, she's your wife, but now that he's clean and if they talk at all, I, you know, most men would be like, what are they talking about, right? And it's not that, right. want, it's not like we think they're gonna cheat, but in the back of our mind, we know that they've had a child together and they've had a, they have a bond and a connection that we probably could never have. And this is the inner competition that we have with ourselves, right? Yeah, so yep. If I were you, um, I would, I would start today to literally give no negative or positive attention to the dead. It's none of your business. Outside of this is your house behind you, right? Your walls, this is your home. Yeah, yeah. Outside of, those, outside of that home, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to stress or worry about anything. You do what you do inside your house because guess what's going to happen? Your son's 10, 11, 10? Yeah, about, about to be 11 in about to be 11. a week. When, you're, when, he's a, when he's 17, he's, he's, he's not going to remember anything much other than he was there for me when I needed him. He held me when I was sick. He worked with me on my homework. He played with me when he, you know, he taught me certain things. And that's the job that we have to do. Our objective is to work on ourselves, build that teamwork between you and your wife, make sure that you're on the same page. Because guess what? You think life's shitty. Now something's going to happen. Some, things happen out of nowhere. If you're not mm -hmm. on the same page when it comes to the communication, you won't be able to handle it as a team, right? That's where most sure. steps make the mistake. We, we try so damn hard to get the kids to love us and to respect us or to value us. And we completely forget who we are. And we, take, and we spend no attention and no time getting to know our wife. Just because she, she's your wife doesn't mean you know her. I know that firsthand. I've known my wife since we were seven. Okay, I've known her since we were seven. I thought I knew everything about her. I was way wrong, way wrong. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're too good of a man and you're too good of a person to put any attention over here. Like literally any attention. It just it does you no good. It's no different from the guy in the dugout across the way just yapping his mouth off at you because he thinks that you suck. The moment you feed into that, he wins. Yeah. Doesn't matter what he, he yep. can say nothing. He could be holding up a piece of paper or sending, you know, or or having his buddy say something to you, but the moment you in, engage, he wins. Mm -hmm. And this is a lesson in sports reference that you need to be teaching your son because your son is going to get shit talked to him his whole life if he's an athlete. Mm. That's just the way. Yeah. yeah. Can you put him in a position to where when it happens, he can have the wherewithal to go, nah, I'm good. And, that, and the way to do, that, Logan, to, to do that, Logan, is to start practicing it right now with him. You can't change it, dude, no matter what you do. Right. You can't, you can't go back in time and stop him from being a jerk or abusive or an asshole that got addicted and then left his family, right? So there's, mm -hmm. no reason, there's no reason right now currently who you are to look at him and label him that because that's not, you're just, you're just labeling what you see and not what was or what could be, right? If you start, and I'm funny, it's funny, the moment you start feeding into only the things that are gonna help you, it's funny how all of a sudden things just start working out and start, people start getting nicer and people stop being idiots because 
you're not paying attention to that stuff. Absolutely. You know? So, Absolutely. and I think that's what's, that's, what's, that's what's special about your situation and your scenario, right? Because, you know, you are in a very unique position to completely alter this kid's inherited DNA when it comes to his mental thoughts. And you could, just because you're not trying to replace the dad doesn't mean you can't be the father and vice versa. Right. 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 So when you're talking about like, and then this is going to lead right into your biggest failures. No, you, we were speaking about how you feel like you've lost your, you've disconnected with your, with religion and how you want to bring that sense of peace. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. about that for a second because once we're done i guarantee you can look back to what i just told you and go oh crap so (laughs) what do you mean when you say you you you're not are you you mean like not going to church not praying not what do you mean i would say both um we've gotten really comfortable uh on the brunch sunday uh or going to somebody's house on sunday and hanging out instead of uh spending that valuable time um and definitely, you know, I think, I do think family prayer is important. Um, you know, asking God to help you with certain things is important. Um, as a man, I think as a leader of the house, um, it is important that we, we continue to, to work uh, and, and ask for things to be servant leaders. Yeah. Uh, I read something the other day that said that leadership in the Bible is only named a few times and servant is named like 900 times. So being a servant leader, I think is so important, which is um, what is what I strive to do. Uh, and in order to, to help lead my family correctly, I believe I need to serve them by uh, helping them learn uh, the Bible, the gospel, um, you know, prayer as a family. Um, what I've learned, and I don't wanna go into much detail about it, but what I've learned is it just, it's almost like what you said, when you have a focus on a certain aspect of your life, when you focus on uh, the things that let's say you can control, Mm -hmm. the things that you can't control are less important. Right. The things you can control are so much more important. So that has fallen, um, that has fallen on the wayside, but it's still in my control to a, to a T God is in control always. And he will give you the strength. He will, he will help you. He will guide you all of those things. I firmly believe that, but I am in control of what my family does, getting them up on Sunday morning and saying, Hey, let's go. It's time to, it's time to go to church, you know, um, praying before a meal, whatever it is. I just think that's important. Um, and I didn't do that much in my family, uh, but I've seen the good so much in other families and other examples and I've seen the bad in so much in my own family and other examples of when you, when you don't include it just personally, not every, it's not for everybody. I'm not trying to push it on anyone, but I've seen too much good from it um, internally and externally that I think it's just very important for, for myself and my family to, uh, to get into that. Um, and that's just, that's what I believe. And like I said, I want to push that on anybody. Is it not working? Um, It is working. uh, It only works when you put emphasis on it. Got it. I will say that. Right, right. It has not become a habit. It has not become a frequent occurrence. It's a 
it's a once in a blue moon thing and it needs to be uh, a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly um, occurrence is what it needs to be for us, for my, in my opinion and in my situation, that's what I believe. Uh, it doesn't make everything perfect, you know, it doesn't solve everything. As we know that nothing does, I believe. I think it could make it, things even harder because uh, we suffer a lot of times as humans and as individuals uh-huh. um, to see the other side, you know, what, whatever it is. We suffer financially, we suffer health-wise, we suffer uh, professionally, uh, family, marriage, whatever it is, to learn, hopefully, from that suffrage and then grow and come out better on the other side. So, you know, hopefully this is a temporary thing and, and we can, as a family, make it a more permanent thing of, you believe everybody has that within them, that whole, that the ability to come out of the suffering to find their potential? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's the, that's the optimism part of how I grew up in, let's say, baseball is uh, the, the more confident you are, the more belief and trust you have in your ability and yourself, the less emphasis you'll put on the slumps that you're going to have everybody's going to have a slump everybody's going to have a slump in life everybody's going to have a slump in sports it's going to happen but the ones that can keep their focus and attention on uh not the slump itself but how do i work to get out of the slump what do i need to do mentally internally uh where do i need to put my focus and i'll give you an example i listened i listened to a to a self-help baseball mental tape is what it is what it is every day okay every day for like six years of my post high school baseball career is when I came across this tape and it it, what it did for me and this I would suggest stuff like this for anybody I mean whether it's a podcast whether it's uh, books whatever whatever it is you want to do I firmly suggest listening and getting wisdom from somebody that's been through it and that can give you examples, that can give you their experience, and that can help you with problem solving. Yeah. So what this guy did. Who is it? Oh my God. His, his name is Steve Springer. And um, his, his, his website or his domain is, is quality at bats. Okay. And what he deems is a quality at bat is hitting the ball hard, producing for your team, whatever that is. Because in baseball, you can't control your batting average calls the bat in your hall of famer right you're failing three out of ten times if you get a three out of ten on a test where where in the world is a three out of ten successful except for baseball very very rarely is a three out of ten successful right so he says instead of focusing on your numbers and your batting average during the season focus on hitting the ball hard because once you hit the ball you can't control where it goes you can't control which defender catches the ball the shortstop's been playing there for 120 years right so you can't control that after it happens. What you can control is your confidence, your work ethic to get to that point, um, your, uh, your thoughts of I'm going to hit the ball hard. And then when I go to the batter's box, I'm studying the pitcher. And before I go to the batter's box, I'm studying the pitcher. I'm focusing on the game. I'm focusing on the study guide for the test. The pitcher is your study guide. He's going to tell you what he's going to throw, and they have all types of ways to do that now scouting reports and whatnot. But anyway, my point is, is that I can control certain things. Mm -hmm. And that 
allowed me to be successful in my baseball career. I believe it was the one thing that allowed me to play professional baseball. I think it was the one thing that allowed me to be uh, an all-conference player for two years in Division One baseball and be an All-American my senior year. It, I, if I didn't have that tape because I didn't have the skill set that most guys have, then I think I would have been in a place where just, yeah, good career, you know, average, whatever, good career. So I've tried to take that into my personal life moving forward with talking to guys like you and <laughs> listening to podcasts and reading books. I'm reading a book right now that the, the doctor of the, the five love languages um, came out with, with another doctor of basically blood families. Um, and it's, and it's shed a lot of light on who I am as a step parent, what called? that role is, uh, it's inside. I'm, I'm just escaping my mind, but it, is it another love languages book? Uh, it, it, it includes love languages and figuring out your stepchild's love language, Got it. Okay. make a better relationship with them. It's a great book. And I'll, I'll run in, uh, I'll run in at the end and grab it and, and let everybody know what it is. I, like I said, it's escaping my I'm, mind. Don't stress it. What you, what um, you do just tell me later through mess through email. And then I'll, okay. while you're talking about it, I'll throw it up on the screen. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, but anyway, so baseball careers made a huge impact and has helped me out in a lot of ways. Um, and I believe that moving into my personal life, that's been a real guide uh, for me moving forward. So uh, the point was with the, with the self-help tape was that it's, it's really given me perspective and it's really helped me understand not only who I am, but who other people are and what affects them and what motivates them and what, uh, what keeping things within my control. I mean, I think that is huge. And I think you hit that hit on that point earlier is focus on the thing that you can control. I'm saying it a little differently, but focus on the things you can control instead of the things you can't. And that's been very tough. And it's tough out there as a stepdad when, you know, you, don't want to focus on that negative you don't want to focus on the bio dad you don't want to focus on his situation you want to focus on your house right. your situation your job uh your your uh job as a man as a husband as a father figure like that's what i can control um so that's been that would be you know my advice to any stepdad out there is is control what you can control i mean i think that phrase can stay with you from the time you're three to the time you're yeah. 93 you yeah. know i just it's very, very important. With with uh with your with your ability to stay in control, um, to be able to be able to focus strictly on within the walls of your home, right? Like strictly. When you find yourself slipping, sometimes you're not aware of it. Would you agree? Uh, one hundred percent. So what 100%. do you think that? I think. For myself personally, I know that I'm not a I'm not a patient person. And working on patience and understanding and kind-hearted, soft-heartedness, I think is one thing that I really struggle with. Why? Because I think uh, I got a better question for you. Why do you have okay. such an easy time talking about forgiveness yet? you have such a hard time doing it. And that includes yourself, by the way, brother. Um, probably because I don't try to forgive, maybe. Um, I, 
it's one of those things where I think uh, you said it in your podcast that I just listened to the self-sabotage part of myself is I have a hard time forgiving and forgetting myself but other people for doing damage to me or my family whatever that is um and it just takes me a long time to get over it I don't know if it's something that happened during my childhood where uh I let it linger on myself and you know my wife my wife can forget through her mentality, through her life, whatever it is, she has an ability to forget something that happened within minutes. You know, she can flip a switch. And I think that's a gift and a curse at the same time. But it is, it is part of her gift is she can, she can flip a switch and be done with that and not put any more uh, gasoline on that and just go to the next page and go to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm like, wait, no, like that, I got to think about that a little bit more. Like I can't just go to the next page and just forget about that because I think it's very important. I think we need to talk about it and focus on it. And then if we don't, it kind of lingers out there and it just stays out there. And then if it gets swept under the rug, then it may come back later. And that's never what I want uh, as a husband or a stepdad is for something to not be addressed and not be understood. uh, And maybe not even understood, but just this is how I feel. And I want to know how you feel. I want to know what you're thinking in this situation. And um, I'm trying to think back, honestly, as I'm talking to yeah, what no. could, what could have happened to make this happen? You know, I, I don't know. Um, and here's what, here's my best guess. Go. My dad raised us on fear. He's told me that many, many times. Fear me, fear what I will do to you if you screw up. Mm-hmm. Fear it. If you don't fear me, you don't respect me and you'll continue to screw up. If you look at our lives as kids, I was probably the worst one, meaning I was going to take the chance on screwing up more than my brother and my sister because I was probably not the smartest of the two. They were a little bit older, smarter, whatever you want to call it, mature. So I don't know if being in fear of my dad never really allowed me to have a feeling of scared, sorry, emotional because I was taught to never cry, never cry, never cry, never have emotion, never do that, be tough. So I think even though I I agree with that, I don't think you should cry at every little thing as a boy that's trying to become a man. But I also do think that if you have a feeling towards something, um, good, bad, forgiveness, whatever it is, you should be able to express that in a healthy way. And I don't know if I feared doing that so much and the insecurity of, well, what's going to happen if I tell them that I feel this way? I think, so I just didn't. I think you're mistaking whining for crying because there's nothing wrong with crying at all. Okay. A little bit. Okay. Whining, okay. complaining, different story. Huge sure. different story. When somebody's... Sure. When somebody's complaining, like if my son is whining and complaining all the time about being hungry and, and, and wanting to go to a friend's house, that, that's whining, right? Or if he gets in trouble uh, and he's whining about, I mean, there's a difference between whining and crying. I mean, crying sure. is it's very, very, extremely healthy. It's extremely healthy for a young boy to express his feelings because when he does get to a point in his life where he has children and or he gets married or he 
is going through some situation, he needs to be able to tap into that side of himself because if he doesn't, he's going to internalize it and then that becomes anger. When you internalize your emotional state of crying, like an actual like mm-hmm. weep or a tear or a, a feeling down and sad, you know, because you have a right to, when you mm-hmm. internalize it and you don't express it, eventually that will boil up into extreme, like you'll, you'll be a dick. Like mm-hmm. you will, because you will immediately think that you will immediately associate crying with weakness. And if you associate crying with weakness, then you not only do you never cry, but then you're going to teach people that, right? We get told that in sports. If you get hit, right. get, back up. get back up, stop crying. Yeah. Right? We yeah. get that our whole lives by our, by our parents, or my dad at least, and your dad. But we're in a different position in this world, right? Like you and I grew up sure. in, a time in, the, in an era where social media wasn't the dominant force and factor of our lives. And if we wanted to make a phone call or go to a friend's house, we got on our bike and t- take off down the road, we, or we actually called somebody, but we didn't fear going outside or we didn't fear all the other stuff that our children have to go to. So remember, as you're continuing this journey, on your on your path if you continue to parent and you continue to live as an adult based off of old morals values and in concepts you're never going to progress you're not going to progress mm-hmm. where you're supposed to be now right sure. really important to kind of grasp that because um like i said there's a big difference between being a whiner somebody that's just complaining all the goddamn time and then there's somebody that cries, right? And somebody mm-hmm. that can only cry. Um, sure. And when you, when you have that time with your son or with your wife, um, that's another thing too. If you get to a position in your life where you, you try to, you associate crying with weakness, um, your wife or your partner won't open up to you. It'll be tough. It'll be tough. And then they won't be able to read you because you may want to have an emotion, but you can't have an emotional response because it's, you're associating weakness and you go all the way back to your childhood and everything comes screaming back to you. Let me ask you this. Have you um, taken the time to go to your dad and just be like, yo, I know you did your best. I forgive you. We're done. Like, I'm literally letting go of this now because I'm about to be this person. Well, no, I haven't done that. But for me, you know, I, I thought my dad and my mom especially did a great job of raising us. I don't, I, I, I don't disagree. I'm not saying he did. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. I guess I just have never associated, uh, you know, anything that they did raising us with maybe a problem now. And I don't know if there is. I think I created it more than them influencing it, in my opinion, because just of, you know, I may, I may be going against what I just said, but like, I just feel like I personally uh, did this to myself and I, cause, cause they are, you know, they did so much and, and, and raising us in, a, in such a great way that I, I would want to raise, you know, I try to take what they did for me yeah. um, and combo it up and try to help, you know, my wife raise her son as best as I can in a, in a, in a role that I have. Um, and, and I guess my answer to that is no, I have not gone to my dad and, and, and done that. However, I, you know, I've never really thought about. Or that you needed to. I've never really thought about it that way. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Look, absolutely. My dad, my dad absolutely. raised me. My mom and my dad are still married, right? We're, we're talking right. years into the marriage. My dad is one of the most selfless men I've ever, my mom's gone through 
scoliosis surgery and spinal fusion and she's got Crohn's disease and she can barely walk and my dad's still there, like still trucking away taking care of her. Wow. But, and, and I get a lot of that. Like my ability to be emotional or to be confident definitely comes from my dad. But I also got from my dad uh, talking down on women, being a womanizer, an alcoholic, and somebody that tries to manipulate his way out of things. That was me before I met my wife. And even in the first few years, those are traits that were embedded in within my inherited DNA that whether I like it or not, I, was, I, was, I would react to a scenario the way I was taught or way I was learned or how I saw it. And it was sure. just a natural progressional thing, right? Like that's still yeah. swear. So yeah. dad might be the greatest dad ever to live. But if you think at any point in time that, or like you said earlier, my dad raised me to fear him because fear means respect, right? Again, I'm not faulting your dad in any way, but guess what? This is a great thing. What's your dad's name? Bobby. Okay. Bobby's, uh, Bobby did that to you because Bobby's dad did that to him. And I could chase that all the way down the line because mm -hmm. it's very rare that that inherited DNA gets transferred and switched. Right. So sure. that you and you're going to, you're going to recognize it, but you're also going to defend it because you love your parents and you're going to, sure. right. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to defend it to the death. But the moment that we can go, I agree. Like this is the way you raised me. I can't stop it, but guess what I can do? I can alter this a little bit, change it because we're, I'm, I need to move this forward. I need to move this needle forward. This is the same thing with poverty. This is the same thing with, with, um, with racism. Everything is just, it's a, it's a pendulum swing that gets taught down the line. And because there are no, there's nobody that's willing to change it, it just continues. I might look a little different, but it's still the same. It has the same core, that foundation to it, right? Right. So take what your dad did for you, like his ability to, to, teach you confidence and to walk with your head tall. And these are great things that you probably became a sports player because of that, right? You were confident because of that. Absolutely. And make no mistake about it, breaking the mold of that inherent, that DNA that came before your dad is imperative for you to move forward because the moment you can get there, you're going to find out that your ability to talk about forgiveness and actually forgiving will start to line up with itself because right now they're like this they're right. worlds apart yeah worlds apart. you talk about religion and god and family and 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 coaching and positive thinking and, and motivational talks but yet you're unwilling to forgive a man that literally was succumbed by addiction it's not his fault it's addiction if addiction could be controlled we wouldn't have crackheads we wouldn't have alcoholics. We can't control it. My mom was an addict. My dad was an addict. I was an addict. Right? We can't control it. You have to hope and pray that Bio Dad sees it and takes it for himself. He's got to fix it. You can't do nothing about that at all. Sure. Right? Which is why you shouldn't fault him for what he sure. does. Sure. So. Okay. Yeah. Great advice. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course, man. And the, here's a really great thing, because we're going to parlay back into your relationship before we end. But if you do that. And your wife's going to start looking at you different. I guarantee you she's going to open up to you more. She's going to want to share conversations with you more. Um, do yourself a favor. And when she shares something about BioDad, about what he did, don't try to solve the problem. Because that's what we do. We all yeah. try to solve. Don't try to solve it. Just listen. All right? Just listen. I've had to tell myself that so many times. 
where I've had to go back to my wife and say, hey, look, I know you wanted to vent about this and I try to solve your problem. I go, my bad. I know you just needed to hear, you just needed to talk. Mm-hmm. As dominant alphas, we tend to control these conversations. We tend to control these, these scenarios, right? Right. It's very important that your son sees this. It's very important that your son sees you talk about BioDad in a light, not a darkness. It's very important for your wife to talk about BioDad and about son in light, not in darkness. It's very important for your wife to see you forgive your past, accept your present, and prepare for your future. It's important. It's important for these things to happen for you because your ability to be this, dude, you're already, mentally, you're already there. That's the crazy thing, right? It's like most of your mental faculties are already where it definitely needs to be for you to just write a book, do a movie, like all these things about your, your scenario. Mm-hmm. Only thing, the only little piece missing is that ability to just, and, and I, when I refer to your dad, I don't mean like actually go to your dad. I mean for you to sit in meditation and just let it go. Stop letting it define you and allow yourself to kind of move along with the times, you know, just go, go with it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's a great point. And the, and the one thing that I will say that I was afraid of for myself, because I do see it in my dad today with his grandkids, is he doesn't have patience. Mm. When they start acting, you know, uh, not disrespectful, but just a little out of control for him, he kind of pulls away and he doesn't get involved. He could get involved, but he does, he does, and he just kind of pulls away. I've seen him do that several times, and I understand where he's coming from because he feels like it's not his place when the parents are there to, you know, discipline the kids. If the parents aren't there, he may, you know, do it in a certain way. But he has to be careful how he does it because he's not the parent, he's the grandparent. Same with us as stepdads. We have to be careful because we're not the bio parent, but we are part of the parenting process. So I have learned a lot about myself in that patience, in that just step away because it's either not my place or I feel myself getting boiled up to a point to where, um, you know, I don't want to lose control. I don't want to say something that I don't mean or that it's very hurtful uh, when, you know, it doesn't need to be said, Um, you know, whether it's uh, trying to discipline the child, you know, and, and after you've told them once or twice to do something and they either don't do it or they've done it another time when they shouldn't, when they know by now that it's not something that they need to be doing. You know, I've, I struggled at first thinking that, um, you know, there was something wrong when in, when in reality there was something wrong with me, because if you don't, here's one thing, here's one thing that I've learned. And as a stepdad, I think this will help a lot of guys out there. If you don't teach them how to do it the right way before you ask them to do something, they will not do it the right way. You cannot assume that they know how to do it. You cannot assume. I assumed so many times that he knew how to do certain things and he did not know how to do them. So his mindset was, I can't do it. It wasn't that I don't know how to do it is that, I don't know how to do it and I can't do it and can't never could. But if you don't show them, you don't show them the right way, which is what I teach him all the time or try to teach him. I'm like, I tell a cast, I'm like, buddy, I'm trying to teach you how to do it the right way. 
when you put your dirt bike up, it doesn't need to go in the middle of the garage. That's where your mother parks her car. Mm -hmm. It needs to go off to the side, out of the way, where we're not walking, where someone can't open a door and hit it, where it doesn't, uh, you know, nobody runs into it accidentally. It needs to be off to the side, out of the way. And if you do it the right way, then I don't have to come get you when you're nice and relaxed in your room at nine o'clock at night watching Netflix, doing whatever you want to do, watching your show. And I'll have to come get you and tell you to move it because I haven't showed you where to move it and where to put it. Uh, we had that conversation the other day. He didn't, he didn't like it because he had trouble moving the dirt bike because that joker's heavy and it didn't want to do it. And I said, well, buddy, I'm just teaching you to do it the right way. That's it. And this is how you do it. And when you do it the right way, you don't have to come back and fix it later on. This is how my dad taught me in a lot of ways is if you do it the right way the first time, you don't have to come back and fix it later. And, you know, that's one thing that I've really tried to instill in him and harp on with him because I think it's so important that somebody teaches him instead of just, and especially stepdad, especially just doing it for them. Because if you do everything for them, then they'll never learn. Yeah. If you, you know, constantly pick up after them, if you constantly do certain things and it, you know, it bothers me sometimes when, you know, trash gets left out or clothes get left on the floor or whatever, because he knows by now that trash needs to go in the trash can and clothes need to go in the dirty hamper. That's it. That's, that's all that needs to happen. And if that happens, there's no issue. But if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to come in behind you and throw your trash away. Um, I'm going to make you get up, throw your trash away, put your dish in the sink, whatever it is, because that's just what needs to be done the right way. Um, and I think I've shown a lot of patience with that in a lot of ways where, you know, uh, I believe, you know, my dad or my mom could have been a little bit more harsh or more uh, quick to uh, get to that switch, get to that, um, that hyped up moment, you know? Um, and I just, I think for, it's important for the stepdad out there to continue to practice patience and understanding because uh, it'll happen someday and they'll appreciate it later on. I think you said that earlier is yeah. that when he turns 18, 19, 20, they'll come back and remember those good deeds that you did instead of the bad ones. They may still have some, some thoughts of the bad ones, but the good deeds you did and you tried to instill in them, they'll appreciate that. And here's where I appreciated it. Here's why I appreciated my parents is when I went off to college yeah. because I didn't know how to wash my clothes. I didn't know how to do dishes. I knew how to work outside. I did uh, help my dad clean up stuff outside, but I never really did anything inside. So I had to call my mom as an 18, 19 year old <laughs> young man. I had to call my mom and say, how do I wash clothes? And I'll, and I'll never forget that moment because I felt so just, ridiculous that I had to call my mom and ask her how to wash clothes because I'd never done it. She'd always done it. Yeah. And I'm not saying your kids got to start washing clothes, but they at least need to know how to do it. Yeah. They at least need to know what switch to turn to. And they didn't, they didn't know those things. Um, I had no idea. So uh, doing those little things, teaching them, helping them learn, I guarantee you they'll appreciate that later on when they're on their own or when they start a family of their own. So nobody has to teach them uh, to do those things. And their, you know, their spouse is impressed almost that they know how to do those things. Yeah. I think that's so very important, you know? Um, 100% agree with but, that. But uh, yeah. 100% agree with that. The, uh, 
self-sufficientness, sorry, self-sufficientness, self, being self-sufficient is always going to be an added benefit for any kid growing up. Um, you said something earlier I wanted to kind of go back to before we end. You said that, okay. you said that um, as, a, as, as stepdads, we're, when we're in a position of discipline or being the parent, that there's certain um, things that we can and cannot do. There are certain, um, what, you know, there are certain like gray areas and total red yeah. areas. What if I was to tell you that if you develop a relationship with your wife that is so unbreakable, I'm talking like Scotty Pippen, Michael Jordan teamwork, right? Like that ability to read each other's minds. Mm -hmm. if you develop this ability to set specific goals each year for yourselves, your family, and for your relationship, that by holding each other accountable and responsible at that time at a 50-50 split between one another, that you could get into a position as a stepdad where you would never feel weird about being a parent and punishing mm -hmm. discipline. Because I can tell you right now that that is a, it's a, it is a 100% uh, inherited narrative myth that step parents can only can permit, only can discipline to a point and then final parents have to take place. That's absolutely wrong. Because the moment you keep doing that, if you keep doing that, the kid, because kids are smart, even though they act dumb, mm -hmm. it's just super smart. The kids are going to start seeing where your breaking point is, where you can't cross, and then they're going to notice it, and then they're going to take advantage of the other thing or vice versa. You and mm -hmm. your wife have to get to a point in your relationship where it's not about your son. It's not about your parents or bio dad. It's just about you two. And the things that you're doing together, equally together, whether it's setting goals for your health, for your marriage, for your relationship, for date nights, doing specific things. I mean, there are thousands of things you can do with this, right? But you can get to a point in your life, in your position in, as a stepdad, to where you don't feel like the outsider. You don't feel mm. like the person that, that needs to watch his P's and Q's. It doesn't need to be like that because at the end of the day, whether you like it or not, behind the walls is your home. And within that home, you are dad. That's it. There's, that's, that's it. There's no, there's no other label that you need to be going by other than that. And when your mm. kids can see you and mom on the same exact page, they're going to respect that. Does it take time? Yes. Does it take the thing that you hate most, patience? Yup. It absolutely takes that. But mm -hmm. it is 100% possible. And I only know that because I'm, I'm there. I'm doing that. That's how I mm -hmm. am. All five of my kids are, are stepkids. All five. I didn't get recognition as a, as a dad father figure from my 20-year-old, going to be 20-year-old daughter until last year. So wow. patience, you just got to wait, right? And the objective yeah. is on you work on your partnership and the kids will just come on just I'm telling you keep doing what you're doing with you learn patience learn to let go a little bit like learn to oh by the way last thing for you too is dude stop being trying to be so damn perfect knock that shit off so seriously <laughs> just knock it off stop trying to be perfect because you're going to teach your son that the only thing the only way to do things is a perfect way it doesn't exist doesn't fucking exist. It doesn't exist in sports. It doesn't exist in religion. It doesn't exist in parenting. It doesn't exist. Just make your peace with it. Whatever you do is not going to always be right. But guess what? Most of the things you think that could be wrong could be awesome. You don't know what's going to work. You can't see it. All you can do is live in the right this moment.
That's it. Okay. Right? Okay. So just live in this moment. Let go of that perfection part of your life because I guarantee you it's driving your wife nuts. Stop it. Okay. You're better than that. I mean, right now I know you're better than that because look at this shit. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you have a lot to say. Be that coach that you're already, you're, you're this mental coach already. You're already mm-hmm. there. Kind of just accept that role in that position in your family. But more important, dude, while you keep working on yourself, set time aside to relationships can't just grow and develop and strengthen just being around one another or anniversaries once a year or date nights every two weeks. It's got to be bigger than that. You have to get more specific. You guys have to set specific goals for one another, specific goals for your relationship, and then goals for your family. And then hold each other accountable for that. I'm telling you, there's these little tiny things. What's your wife's love language? Well, we did the test uh, a couple of years ago. I, I believe her top two were physical touch. Um, and I, I want to say, I want, it, was, it, was physical, it, was phys, it wasn't gifts. I want to say it's physical touch and quality time is what I okay. think it was. If you can't answer that question without a stutter, then you need to do it again. Go figure it out. Absolutely. Go do it today. My, my, my wife's physical touch 100% always, right? What I did for a while until it became habit to me is I went in my phone. It took me 20 minutes. I set an alarm every hour on my freaking phone. Every hour it went off. It said, it reminded me, kiss your baby. That's it. My Alexa reminds me every morning at 7 a.m., 7 a.m., kiss your baby. Just these little things. And you'll be working. You'll be doing something. You'll be like, oh, shit. And even if you're not home, you call her, right? But point is, is that start making this, start feeding into that, that love language and vice versa. She needs to feed into yours. You need to go figure out what yours is as well. Well, I know what mine are. Uh, mine are, mine are words of affirmation. First and foremost, 100%. And I'm a physical touch person as well. So, you know, I think that's where our love languages are good together. Cause I mess, I know hers is physical touch, but um, mine is words of affirmation. I mean, I think that's, that's every man. And especially I, I believe is part of that. Um, you know, but I know, I know mine and, um, you know, we do have to do a better job together of communicating and getting together, holding each other accountable, uh, you know, getting a plan together, setting goals together. We've talked about it. We just haven't put it into action. Yeah. That's just, we haven't been proactive about it. And that's just one thing that I think will uh, help our marriage, help our family, help our son. Uh, like you said, the, I think the kids feed off the parents in so many ways, so many ways. And then, you know, if we're, if we're good, they're good. If we're not, they may not be. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, she and I have to come together a lot more, make sure we have our, you know, expectations uh, out there, our communication, our goals and everything. Absolutely. I don't remember exactly what, because I talk about it all the time. I have an episode, an early episode where I talk about what my wife and I did. You should go, I'll try to find it and send you a message. Go okay. back because I literally lay out exactly what you should do that works perfectly. I mean, okay. it's so simple, but yet it's so, <clears throat> it's rewarding, it's simple, but it's complicated because it's, 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 yes, you're married, but it's that one time in your marriage where you have to be 100% honest. I mean, with everything. I mean, with everything. With me, with my wife, what I learned was that she was afraid to ask me for help because I would always non-verbally tell her I didn't want to. Even if I said, yeah, sure, I got you. But my nonverbal communication was screaming at her, 
don't ask him for help. He's going to get mad. Didn't even know that. Didn't know I was doing wow. it. Had no clue I was doing it. We did this, this, this couple's retreat or this couple's whatever we call it. And when she made it aware, when I, when she told me, it was like a light bulb went off. I'm like, Oh shit. Like mm -hmm. oh, shit. I didn't even realize I was doing this. Mm -hmm. Right. Nonverbal is humongous. Yeah. Um, okay. So Logan, I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to get ready to get off here, but I want to just do one last thing before we go. Um, okay. Where can, I mean, you have, you have a blog that you sent me. Um, where, where can people find you? Like follow your journey, what you're doing, keep up with you. Uh, I'm on every social media platform. So Facebook, Logan Pierce. Uh, I think my Instagram name is Logan Pierce 24. Is that right? I, I, I've kept, I haven't looked at it in a while, like as far as the, the tag name. Um, the blog that I wrote is on uh, spiritual stepmom. Um, and she and I connected through social media, same with us. And she actually is the one that turned me on to your page. And was the reason I reached out to you was just, you know, Hey, let me know if there's anything I can do and anything, um, that I can help with, uh, just because I think it's so important, uh, for, for stepdads out there to have somebody they can connect with, they can maybe get wisdom from, they can talk to, uh, because we are in such a unique situation. We are in such a, um, and it's far more common than it is now than it was years ago. It's far more common. Uh, and I think it's so important for, for men to, uh, you know, express how they feel, uh, be vulnerable, but also be receptive to, to wisdom and, and yeah. maybe even some criticism, maybe yeah. even, you know, like I, I've taken what you've said today, not as, not as criticism, but just as reality and wisdom. You're giving me wisdom. You're giving me help uh, because you've been in the situation. You are currently in the situation, man. I mean, five, five kids. I got one. You have five, dude. Like I can't imagine. I can't imagine the 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 commitment that takes. And um, you know, that's just that that goes to show you all the stepdads out there how important it is for. Uh, for us to to have a role in their life and be uh, be there for them. I mean, I think that's just so important um, that you're there for them. Um, so uh, Instagram, Logan Pierce, 24, 25. Uh, I think it's 25 now. Gosh, I've had two. It's 24. Okay. Um, and then throughout Facebook, this episode, Logan Pierce. Throughout this episode, I've had I'm, I've had some of your social media handles coming down anyway. Okay. Okay. Um, but as far as finding out my journey, I, you know, this is the only time that I've ever come on any social media platform or any platform at all and talked about it. You know, I've only, um, besides the, the blog, um, and that was just a, that was sort of a random, Hey, this is kind of where I'm at. And, you know, if there's anything that can, um, you know, that I can help with, I'd be glad to, you know, just to let, I guess let stepdads out there know that they're not alone. I think yeah. a lot of us, a lot of us think that we're alone in it and, and we don't have anybody we can talk to. Well, guys, I'd be glad to talk to anybody at any time. I'd be glad to listen. I mean, I don't even, I don't know what advice I can give you, uh, but I'm just glad to listen because sometimes stepdads just need to talk. I mean, they just need somebody that understands. I agree. And then that can, so really the only social media I have, I mean, I have Twitter, but I don't, 
I don't really talk about any. I just kind of have it just for looks, you know. I don't really do anything on there. Um, to, I think it's important to say as well as is that um, one of the reasons that this platform is even built and and, and developed and why it's going to continue to grow is because this is yes, definitely a place to talk and event, but this is not a place to bitch, moan, and whine and complain because I don't want to hear that shit. Absolutely. I want to work absolutely with men who are in my position that are. Uh, actively seeking out ways to be better, not diligently seeking out people to complain to. Mm. So important. So, so important. And I, and one thing that I that I will hopefully hang my hat on forever is knowing the difference in complaining and talking. You know, and knowing the difference in, um, you know, for me personally. I have like three people in my life that I call and I ask them for advice on a situation so I can le either learn from it, learn where my wife may be coming from, learn, uh, you know, how I could have handled it differently. Because at the, at the end of the day, if we're not growing, we're dying. Yeah. If we're not, if we're not, if we're not trying to get better, we're getting worse. And there are a lot of days that I've gotten worse. And there are a lot of days that I've gotten better and I internally mentally want to get better every day. I want to be the best husband. I want to be the best stepdad, uh, dad figure, whatever, whatever you want to say it. I want to be the son, the best friend. I want to be as, as many things as possible. Um, I think it's important to get information and use that information and be proactive with it and try to apply it to your life. And today this is nothing but information that I hope that I can apply to my own situation and my own life to help make a better family for, for this house. I yep. mean, that's ultimately what I want to do. I want our family to be successful. It's a great goal to have, brother. All right, man. So uh, this is the end of the show. Thank you very much for joining me, Logan. I really appreciate your time, energy, efforts. Um, you probably don't hear this enough, or maybe you do, but you, what you're doing is incredible as a man, as a leader, and as a stepdad. You are valued. You are needed. And don't forget that. I mean, specifically because your words of affirmation is big for you. Don't forget that. You are valued. You are needed. And sometimes you just need to hear it so you can continue to move forward. So if sure. you need to do that, by all means, come back to this part of the, the podcast and just listen to it over and over again. Um, okay. But until then, man, the episode will be up probably later tonight, probably first thing in the morning. And other than that, Logan, thank you very, very much for joining me, man. I really appreciate you back. Thank you, buddy. We'll all talk right, soon. Bye. Appreciate it. Stay